Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm Molly DeVos, a certified feline training and behavior specialist, and I'm joined today with my co-host and my co-partner and my husband, Dewey Vaughn. Hello, Cat World, and thank you for listening to us today. We're coming to you live from Dallas, Texas, and we are here to talk a little bit about what Cat Behavior Solutions can offer. Cat Talk Radio is an outreach program for Cat Behavior Solutions, and I'd like to turn it back to Molly, and Molly, tell us a little bit about what Cat Behavior Solutions has done. Well, as Dewey said, Cat Talk Radio is an outreach program of Cat Behavior Solutions. We are on the air to give you behavior advice, to tell you why your cat does what it does, and to give you tools to modify that behavior. Also, to help you provide an environment where your cat can express its natural behaviors in ways that are acceptable to both you and the cat If you look at our website, catbehaviorsolutions.org, you'll also find resources in our blog section section about cats and what they need. And we'll be talking a lot about that today on the scoop on cats, strange cat facts, and myth busting. And next week, we'll be talking about litter box issues. And later in the show, we're going to be joined by Ed Jamison. He's the executive director of Dallas Animal Services. Dallas Animal Services is the fourth largest intake shelter in the United States. And he's going to be shedding the light on how cats do in shelters. So before we get started on the show, I want to tell everybody that if you'll go to our Facebook page, Cat Behavior Solutions, we have posted a We're on the Air Live, and in that comment section, you can write questions, make comments, and throughout the show, if we make reference to particular material, it'll be posted there. So follow along there, too, if you'd like a visual to go along with our audio. And before we jump in, also, I want to talk about Cat of the Week. We're going to be having a cat featured and probably the owner every week. And this first week, Cat is Sushi and his daddy, Jeff. Jeff actually happens to be the director of host services at Voice America. And his cat, Sushi, has a special talent. Occasionally, Sushi will leave his cat people smiley faces in their dry food bowl. And if you go to our Facebook page, you can see that it's actually really adorable. So now, um, Dewey, kick us off. Give me, throw me some strange cat facts and myths to bust. All right, Molly, that's great intro. Let's talk a little bit about some of the myths that do go on about cats. And there's quite a few of them. So let's kind of talk a little bit about them and maybe some stories behind some of the myths and, that you've encountered and some of the things that you've come across and share with the folks a little bit about how these cats are capable of being much better animals than most dogs. Because some people say dogs are more popular than cats. So tell me how cats are better than dogs. 
Well, it's actually true. Dogs are liked better than cats. In fact, there was a, a poll done by the Associated Press that said 47, I'm sorry, 74% of people responded that they liked dogs a lot, but only 41% said they liked cats a lot. But you know, there are more cats owned in the United States than dogs. There's like 94 plus million cats owned and about 90 million dogs. And another interesting fact is there are actually more households that own dogs. So 60% of households own a dog and only 47% of households own cats. And what that means is that for every household that owns a cat, they've got a little over two cats. I don't know how they do that, but it's like 2.1 cats per household. I think we have 2.1 with all the leftover hair from the fosters we've had here. (laughs) That's where our (laughs) point one comes from. We're sure we can make some coats. And then dog households, they only have like 1.8. And that seems really strange to me because dogs have evolved with a pack mentality and a and a social hierarchy and structure where cats haven't. They're descendants from African wildcats. They've still got about a 96% genetic DNA link to their ancestors. And they really are solitary creatures. Now, that being said, they do get along with other cats and they can live socially happy with other cats and people. And to answer your other question, they actually get along pretty well with with dogs. In fact, I had a a behavior case uh, about a cat named Sadie. And Sadie came to my attention after Sadie was was serving 10 days quarantine at Dallas Animal Services. And her I happened to intercept her owner when she was surrendering the cat's cat had bitten one of the kids in the house. And Sadie had to come in for a mandatory 10-day hold. And the owner was really upset, crying and, and very distraught over having to turn over their family pet. She said she didn't know if she was going to come back and get Sadie. And I encouraged her to. I said, please come get Sadie and let me work with you and and help your family interact with this cat in ways that it's not going to attack you. So she did. And I went out to the house and met everybody and was observing what this cat did. And one of the teenage daughters was sitting in her chair with her legs crossed. And the cat turned around and bit her in the foot and then ran to the back door. And standing at the back door is their dog. And the cat was scratching on the door to try to get at the dog. I said, let the dog in. And so they let the dog in and the cat immediately follows the dog around. This dog and cat pair were so bonded. I think this cat actually came from a a rescue situation and hadn't been raised with siblings or a mom cat. So it really didn't learn cat social behavior. But it had bonded so strongly with this dog that all it really wanted was the dog in the house with the people and with him, more importantly. So cats live through their scents, their noses, not, not scents like, like smarts, <laughs> but scent like, like smell. And when they smell another cat, they are threatened that a cat is invading their territory. But when they smell a dog, oftentimes they aren't. Now, dogs can be predators. So if it's a big, scary dog, of course, you know, they might not like that. But if the intro is done good, then a dog and cat coexist very, very successfully. And as I said, a lot of times more successfully than cats coexist. So I think we've cracked that myth. Dogs are more popular and can they coexist together? 
with uh, cats, and it sounds like uh, based on your experience, they can, and there's ways to uh, get those two to kind of come together and probably introductory processes, but we'll talk about cats by themselves. Cats are not necessarily socialism is one of the things that I've heard. They'd rather be by themselves. What do you think about that myth? Well, cats definitely socialize differently than dogs. Um, Cats can go as far as develop a very symbiotic relationship with us, and they might even show appreciation for our contribution to their environment from time to time. (laughs) Seriously, they, they probably don't need a social structure, but they are very capable of being affectionate companions as, as we see every day with, with Tabasco. And we'll often make mention of Tabasco on this program. Tabasco's our lovely red marble tabby boy. He was a rescue from the SPCA of Texas 14 years ago. And he's 14 years young, and he is very, very social. That's, he is that. And I always call him Yo-Yo Tabasco, (laughs) as he's well known around here. And he is a very social cat, as everyone that knows him uh, is not afraid of anything and doesn't necessarily need to be living by himself. He likes to stroll in strollers, and he likes to get outdoors quite a bit. So I would say that that myth is pretty well busted as well. So let's go on to another myth. Can cats be trained? Because dogs, you look at dogs, they, everyone likes to get a dog and train it to go fetch and train it to sit up and train it to sit and train it to roll over and train it to speak. What about cats? Can cats really be trained? Well, of course they can. Um, As a matter of fact, I'm a trainer mentor for the Jackson Galaxy Cat Positive Pro program. And one of the things that wonderful nonprofit does is, is run by the greater good. We work with shelters across the country and we teach shelter staff to clicker train cats. Clicker training is a little different with cats and dogs. And we will teach them to sit to high five, to come when called, to spin, to do all kinds of things, jump through hoops. Absolutely, cats can be trained. We'll even post here on Facebook an article and a, an acute video. There's a, a group, several groups that travel the country with, with trained cats. And cats love to be trained as long as they are motivated by something that they love. So they particularly train well with food motivation and affection. That's great. And I've actually seen that uh, on various occasions where cats have done that. In fact, I believe you have our cat, Yo-Yo Tabasco, trained. He's so well-trained, people come in the door, they'll ring a little doorbell, and he comes running and jumps up on the top of the counter and He's ready for his instructions, and that usually is sit up, and he gets a gets something to eat, and then he goes on to the next trick. Let's talk about another mistbuster. You know, before we do that, let's we've we've got a break coming up in a couple minutes, and I want to before we go on to our next myth, I want to I want to give a shout out to Joanne Bondi of Stocks and Bondi. Joanne is one of the only female chefs from Texas to have received three James Beard House cooking accolades. She is amazing, and she has started a. A stock uh, broth, basically, business. You can find her here locally in Dallas at the Farmer's Market. You can find them at stocksandbondi.com. And she provides us with, with 
uh, broths, bone broths for the cats. It's excellent. It's a, it's a gelatinous protein. It's all holistic nutrition. It protects joints and aids in liver function and digestion. It's amazing stuff. And she sells her stocks and broth at Stocks and Brandy for pets in particular. And I strongly suggest you go check them out. And I believe we are getting ready to go on break, and we will be right back with more myths and strange facts about cats. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Cat Talk Radio with Molly DeVos. To reach the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you may send an email to molly at cattalkradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Cat Talk Radio. We've been talking about strange cat facts and myth-busting, giving you the scoop on cats. We just talked about training cats. We talked about Jackson Galaxy and the Cat Positive Pro program. Take a minute to Google that. That's an amazing program that works with shelters across the country and really helps to get cats in shelters more adoptable by making them friendlier and often more relaxed and less stressed in their environment. And we're going to talk about that later at about 4.30 with Ed Jamison. And now, do we give me another myth, cat myth. 
All right. I think we have another one here. Let's say it says, somebody's asking, my cat hates me and often pees on things out of retaliation? Question mark. <laughs> well, um, I doubt that. So I often hear questions like that. I, I actually uh, have heard several things where people will talk about, you know, my boyfriend comes over and my cat pees on his clothes. I think he hates him. And really, this is this is us anthropomorphizing cats. We're putting our own emotions and feelings onto cats, and they just don't have those feelings. They don't hate you. They might fear you. They might be upset because of a change in the environment, but they don't hate you, and they're not trying to get back at you. Again, if you've done something to them that's making you say that your cat's mad at you and trying to get back at you, you've probably done something to make it just frightened and afraid of you. So that's a myth. They don't pee out of retaliation. And as a matter of fact, you know, when you go to my initial consult form on the website, if when people hire me to do a behavior consult, they go to catbehaviorsolutions.org and there's an initial consult form. And on there, I always ask people, you know, what's the behavior, when it started, and why do you think that your cat's doing that behavior? And a lot of times people will say exactly that. I think my cat's mad at me or I think my cat hates me or my cat doesn't like my children or my boyfriend. And I I get that all the time, but that's not true. It might be afraid, but it doesn't hate you. And I believe you have a story about Crystal. Uh, At one time you had a encounter in something similar to that. You were going to talk about Crystal. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I had a uh, I had a cat consult. Girl had a boyfriend. Boyfriend had a cat. So when boyfriend came over, the cat, her cat, Crystal, was uh, smelling the other cat and smelling the boyfriend. And the boyfriend moved weird and smelled weird. And so the cat would uh, would get upset with the boyfriend. Not only would pee on his clothes, but would also attack him when he would come over to their house. So one of the things I told them to do was they had this this great little closet right by the door when you entered the apartment. And I said, you need to keep a set of clothes here for the boyfriend. And when he comes in, have him immediately change out of whatever he's wearing and put on these clothes that have been in your environment. And in fact, leave those out so that Crystal can lay on them so that it, he smells like her when he comes in and she'll be less afraid of him. So she she did that, and that actually worked. I, I think the couple broke up, though, and it's kind of moot now, but, but it did work at the time. <laughs> so the myth was busted, but the relationship didn't last. <laughs> they were both busted. Let's go back for just a minute. and I think we were going to talk a little bit about the importance in the training component and the transformation that happens when, when and how important it is with some of your work that you do in the shelters and having some of these kitties that are shut down and uh, seem to come at you very aggressive and some of the work that you've done on transforming some of those. Yeah, we'll talk again more about that with Ed when he joins us on the call in about 10 minutes. But 
Um, when cats enter a shelter, they are so frightened. It's such a foreign environment. It must be like we would feel if we got abducted by aliens and people doing medical experiments and everybody looking strange and smelling strange. But they, they often do horribly in the shelter environment. And what clicker training does for cats is it gives them choice and control. And when a cat has choice and control, it has confidence. And when a cat has confidence, it has less fear. And with less fear becomes less aggressive behaviors. So I, I do that work uh, at Dallas Animal Services, also at the Santa Fe Humane Society Shelter. I work with their behavior staff there. Shout out to that crew. You guys are amazing. And, uh, and of course, with, with the Jackson Galaxy program. And you just had a, a situation there at the Santa Fe Shelter, I believe, that you had an aggressive cat. And that cat uh, finally uh, got in position to be adopted and with success story. That's good. Okay, let's move on to the to another myth. Do we have enough time to do another myth before we Yeah. Go? We sure do. That's great. You know, when I was younger, my grandmother used to have a whole bunch of outside cats. They were all feral cats and I didn't know they were feral at the time. But she would often put out little saucers of milk for them, sort of as an enticement to come up and drink. And so is is Giving saucers of milk to kitties a good thing? (laughs) Well, it's a popular thing you see in comic strips all the time. And in stock photography, saucers of milk left out for, for stray cats. And no, it's not good because cats are lactose intolerant. They can actually digest goat milk okay and goat milk's a great thing to give to kittens but in general no do not give your cat milk or any milk products they do like cheese and they're attracted to milk but they're also attracted to antifreeze and that's a poison so you you don't give it to them just because they like them they're lactose intolerant and can cause some some pretty bad gastrointestinal issues with them Wow, I always knew that growing up that that was the thing you were supposed to give to kitties, and that's a good lesson learned. And well, you're from that. the country. <laughs> you learned all kinds of weird I stuff growing up. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the cattails a little bit, because cattails are a myth, I think, by itself, because dogs come in, and uh, when they want to greet their owners, they have this little wagging tail. So when a cat's tail is wagging, are they really happy to see me? <laughs> no. If your cat's tail is wagging, something's wrong. Either the tail hurts or the cat's really angry or it's frustrated or anxious. That's not a not a good sign. Cats cats body language is actually very difficult to read because they don't have real strong facial expressions like dogs do. Studies have shown that dogs actually look at people and study their facial expressions and try to mimic them. And a cat pretty much has the same face all the time with rare exception. And and so the tail is a very important body language to notice on a cat. If a cat is happy and confident, its tail will shoot straight up in the air, sometimes with a little question mark at the top. I've seen cats walk across a room and the tail's like half-mast or down on the floor and then it walks by its person and boing, tail goes straight up in the air, walks past its person and that tail goes back down again because the people make it feel good and it's next to something that it likes. If the tail is twitching slightly, 
that cat may be contemplating something. It may be thinking, should I get up and go claw that couch now? Or should I go eat the rest of my kibble? It's contemplating something. And if it's flicking a little more aggressively, it's annoyed with whatever you're doing. When people are petting cats, that's a real important body language to watch for is that flicking tail. If, if it starts flicking, you might think about stopping or moving on to, to something else. You know, that was a real eye-opener for me. As you taught me how to do that, I, I understood and watched the cats as I was petting them and, and, and just what I was playing with them. The cat started twitching that tail and getting a little bit faster and faster, and I could tell there was something going on with the cat until I met with you, and you ta- taught me that that's a problem. Um, I kept playing, and boom, that cat turned around and bit me, and that was not a good thing. So that's a valuable lesson to learn. I've also seen you just kind of teach me how to walk away from the cat at that time and let the cat calm down and keep that aggression back. So that's that's good information. Thank you. So I would say that myth is busted. Okay, let's move on to another one. Cats need to explore the outdoors. I mean, the cat's always at the door, just about like the dog always wanting to to get in, get outside with the rest of the world. What do you think of that myth? I think it's true. Cats cats are naturally outdoor creatures, but letting a cat free roam outdoors comes with a lot of risks. It can get hit by a car, stolen. It can, it can get in fights with other cats and dogs and skunks and coyotes and eaten. And when the weather gets bad, you know, it's not good for them to be out there. It can get shot with BBs. I mean, it, not everybody likes cats. It can get poisoned with antifreeze, as we talked about. Rock salt is even, even poisoning to cats. So it's not good to free roam cats. But it is good to give your cats that experience. And there's a variety of ways you can do that. You know, my favorite is watching you push Tabasco in the stroller. That's the (laughs) cutest thing ever. My most liked Facebook pictures are Dewey pushing the cat in the stroller. It's too cute. You can also build catios. Yeah, yeah, yes. (laughs) We build catios for our cats. um, So they have secured outdoor places the fences all have toppers where the cats can't get out and coverings where birds can't get in and places to to relax out there that's that's great high spaces outside is is very good for them leash walking is awesome you know walking a cat on a leash and we'll be talking about that in episode three on the 25th is going to be all about environmental enrichments for cats Um, so be sure to join us then as well and we're about to head out on our break and when we come back we're going to be joined by ed jameson the executive director of dallas animal services and we're going to talk about cats in shelters because they were in your home once but sometimes um, they end up in shelters either because they've gotten out because you thought they need to explore the outdoors or, um, or you let your cat out and someone else found it and thought it was doing the right thing by taking it to the shelter. So Ed's going to help us with some, some shelter myths on cats. Did you have anything else, Dewey, before we go no, to this break? this is going to be a great conversation. I've, I have had the honor of visiting with him in the past, and he's got a lot of good information and a lot of great experience. So uh, stay tuned and listen to us, and we'll be back shortly. Oh, 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Cat Talk Radio with Molly DeVos. To reach the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you may send an email to molly at cattalkradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Cat Talk Radio. We're joined now by Ed Jamison. Ed's the director of Dallas Animal Services. I have the pleasure of working with Ed by serving on the Dallas Animal Advisory Commission as well as volunteering at that shelter two days a week. And it's a big shelter. Dallas Animal Services takes in over 34,000 animals every year. It's the fourth largest intake shelter in the United States. And we've been talking about cats exploring the outdoors. And this is a good time to welcome Ed and talk about that because a lot of times cats get outdoors and, and end up in the shelter. And I have a really confident cat in Tabasco. And I hear a lot of time people think, well, my cat's confident and adventurous, and they'd probably be okay in a shelter. So welcome, Ed, and talk to us about that myth. Hey, Molly. Thank you so much for having me on. So, yeah, like you said, um, with, in, in Dallas, yeah, we bring in over 7,600 cats entered our shelter last calendar year. And as you know, we work really, really hard. Um, but, yeah, the shelter is not the best place for, for any animal, um, even the nicest shelter in the world. And I think the question is, you know, my confident cat, so, hey, he'd be okay. 
But, um, you know, there's been study after study that, that shows that the uh, animal's behavior when they're in the shelter isn't necessarily what its behavior is when it's in the home. And, um, you know, you talk about confident, you know, we, what's confident in your home may come off as aggression inside the shelter and make it hard for the shelter to even handle the, the, the cat. Yeah, we see that a lot, don't we? It's, in fact, that's, that's absolutely the reason I started Cat Behavior Solutions is the owner-surrendered cats are, have the highest probability of euthanasia in shelter because they, they've been in a safe environment for a long time and they get in the shelter and they're totally freaked out and often act in an aggression out of, out of defense mechanism and we can't put those cats up for adoption for obvious reasons and we don't have the luxury of space or time to house them long-term. So it's, it's excellent. We rely on our rescue partners to help with that situation and, and mostly to try to keep them out of coming into the shelter in the first place by providing information and, and resources to folks. And, you know, talking about cats coming into the shelter, the other thing that I see is um, is cats that come in that aren't microchipped, that are very friendly, and it's obvious that they were owned somewhere. And it, it reminds me of... Harvey, a cat that came into the shelter that was found at a construction site in Highland Park down in a, in a hole. And Dianara, I believe it was, drug him out of that muddy hole and brought him into the shelter. And he had a microchip from a Colorado family. And we fostered him while the family could get down here, fly down here, and, and you guys could reunite him with that family. And, and I want you to talk a little bit about microchipping and the importance of that, too. Yeah, um, and I think I heard um, before you went to the break about, um, you know, the, 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 the dangers whenever a cat is outside. And that is always my, my first preference is that, to try to have the cat be an inside cat because there's just so many variables out there for the safety, um, safety of the cat. That being said, things happen um, and animals get out. And for us, the city of Dallas uh, switched to microchipping requirements, which is terrific. So any animal that's leaving is microchipped. And that is the best bet as, um, as far as identifying who the owner is and contacting the owner, as long as they have their information has been updated and current. People move, they get new phones, things of that nature. That is very frustrating for us that when there is a microchip, but the information isn't accurate, and it uh, then becomes a whole other level for us to try to contact that owner. Yeah, that's good. And and does Dallas Animal Services offer microchipping for just anybody? Um, we do offer microchipping. It's fifteen dollars. And I know that if you are in the city of Dallas, we um, have in this month's water bill, we sent out inserts, and it's five dollars if you bring in that little coupon that we put in the mailer, because that's really we're really tracking that number of how many animals are coming in microchipped, because it is a a lifelong thing for the, that chip to be in there where a tag can fall off and then nobody knows. Um, you know, so we're really big on it, but don't hang your hat on it that, okay, it's okay to, you know, not be vigilant and not letting the cat get outside. Um, because that is a huge piece, but then there's still the, you know, the chance that if the animal's scared or freaked out or you're not able to get the scanner on it, or it just lo and behold, the ship chip had moved. Um, you know, don't use that as a false sense of security to not, Yeah, that's a good point. I, I totally agree. I, indoors is the best safety for your cat and the highest quality of life, obviously, with safe outdoor mm-hmm. exposure. Like we said, the 
the strollers and the leash walking and stuff like that. That's that's fun. And you took some cats well, I don't, home. Everybody doesn't have strollers like you do, Molly. You and your husband—that <laughs> is the best. <laughs> we have fun with that. It's it's Dewey's uh, exercise buddy. My workout partner. There you go. <laughs> oh, this is Dewey. How are you, Dewey? <laughs> I'm doing great, Ed. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Good to have you on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Now you you took I think your wife was here and and you took some cats home recently. So I know I know you're primarily a dog guy, hence your 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 bio photo there on our page. But <laughs> but you, you've also been known to like cats. Tell us about the cats you took home. Oh, I love cats, and we've got uh, we've got our our bunch that are our house cats. But we we had um um some cats at the shelter that were going down the unadoptable route. So they, they, they look like really good candidates um, to go into a barn cat program, which I was helping with or am helping with. So um, we brought, brought three, you know, and one's a long time, three no scrappy, who was just extremely hard to handle. Um, but we had another one that, that, that we call Baby, um, who wasn't handleable in the shelter, completely shut down, crouched back in the back of the back of the, the cage and very, very difficult to handle. So like, all right, let's see if we can give a good quality of life and come out and, um, you know, be a part of the barn cat program. Well, after three days, it's about two and a half days of being outside of the shelter. This is the nicest cat I have ever met in my life. So we're now reevaluating and it is probably going to, um, we'll see if we can't do a remote adoption because it's really, really just the sweetest cat. Um, as soon as you, you come into the barn, she's immediately up rubbing on you and wants you to pet. I can pick up and hold and everything, which kind of goes into the thing about the cat's behavior in the home. It is likely not going to be the same behavior that's seen inside the shelter due to being scared and everything else like that. So, um, you know, it's... Uh, once you can get them out of the shelter and let them be a real cat, you know, let them be a cat where they have room to move around and, and do what, you know, do what a cat wants to do. That's when you can really start to see better what the real behavior is. Yeah. And and we have great facilities at Dallas Animal Services and we play music for the cats in there. And mm-hmm. we, you know, we have catnip and treats and things like that. I mean, you'd, you'd think they mm-hmm. have all the creature comforts, but those are our things that we perceive as creature comforts and they do help. But there's there's nothing like pulling a cat out of its home. Again, it's, it's like uh, it would be like if we were being abducted by aliens and we were in a totally <laughs> foreign environment and and it's just it's so hard for them there so you're right everything we can do to keep them out of the shelter in the first place is is what we want to do what what else do right. can you I don't think know of I told you this molly i i have quincy well we named him quincy who was a um, upper respiratory cat who had uh, a kitten and so i'm fostering quincy and just because i work a lot of hours you, you know my job the um i had to uh um, I decided oh, I'll bring him to work with me and let him, you know, hang out in my office during during the day just so that I can play with him more. But he's terrified. You know, my office is nice. It's your normal office. Uh, it's not in the main shelter part, but uh, he is nothing but love bug at home, but he's terrified. And even with the crate door open in my office, he ran right behind the desk and I had to fish him out of the, the desk from behind there. And then um, they put him back in the crate. He just crouches in the corner. But then as soon as we got back home, back in his spot he was back to being a love bug yeah yeah i see that all the time you know i i have tabasco's 
the unusual cat of the world because when I got him as a kitten from the SPCA, we traveled a lot in the car. So I took him immediately, Mm -hmm. laid on the dash of the car and and drove around with us. So today he has no problem with car rides because we started young and we started slow and he got used to it and very confident about being with people. But the minute I leave him alone at the vet office, he goes absolutely insane (laughs) and becomes, you know, it's like Dr. Frankenstein or Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde cat at the, at the vet office. Yeah. He would, he'd be one of our unadoptable ones, unfortunately, in the shelter. Yeah. Speaking of unadoptable ones, um, tell us about the cats in the shelter. I mean, I, I hear all the time people don't want to come to the shelter because they think we just house the, the broken and, and sad cats and all the ones with the behavior issues we've been talking about. But tell us a little bit about your cats down there at the shelter. Well, yeah, and as I know that, you know, the first two topics that that we talked on did talk about when the behavior isn't displaying, um, you know, at, at what it normally is because they're in the shelter. Um, there is a whole lot that it, 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 it's the other, that they're, they're just amazing, awesome cats. Um, and you know it, um, especially when it's not during kitten season, it's we get our cats adopted so fast, um, because we're just getting these wonderful, wonderful animals. And that's in my line of work, I really struggle in cats. Um, and even with the dogs, I were like, man, these were somebody's pet. Um, cause they were just so, so nice. So the, the thought that they are broken, um, or undesirable, it, that couldn't be any further from the truth because, um, the, 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 the animals that, that we get in, and yes, there are always your extreme cases, but the vast majority, um, I think we found placements for over 91% of the animals last last month, um, those, those animals are just wonderful, wonderful animals that either were in a home and somehow got displaced, um, or were really just looking for a good home. So uh, I'm, I'm very big on trying to be, not trying to make sure that we're responsible in our placement and that if we have known history that is a true public safety um, issue, we'll, we'll make the difficult decision there. But those decisions are way further, um, further spread out than this is just a good animal who needs to have a good home. Those are amazing numbers, Ed. I, I tell you, I have to uh, take my hat off to you. You've done an amazing job where you, where you are since you've been there and uh, 91 animals out of there that 91 percent is fantastic that's those are great numbers uh what do you what can you say led to that success well uh, there was a lot of things um our, our field teams um in, in in the dog category there was there was a lot of being able to get animals back to their owners so we could keep them from coming into the shelter and put the extra stress on that from the from the beginning along with whatever compliance um things that we could help fix during during that but our it was record adoptions our in-shelter return to owner and um, our rescues really, really stepped up to the plate. Um, they always do, but they, they, they took it to another level in December. So it's a, um, you know it, you've been at a shelter many times, and Molly pretty much lives there on the weekend. We have great staff. We have great volunteers, which we're putting a whole bunch into our volunteer program to really build that up to provide quality of life and help us find even more favorable outcomes. And in foster, there's been a huge concerted effort on foster because even though we have over 700 cages and almost always have over 700 animals at any given time in our care, um, it's not enough because we're bringing in usually over 100 animals a day. 
um, is what's coming in. So Foster helps us expand that capacity um, for all the reasons on the topics that we talked about animal behavior. It's so it's such a better way to really be able to learn and market the animal. Hey, if he's been living in Foster XYZ's house, and this is what we've learned from him, that's so much easier to help put the marketing piece of it together. Um, and again, it's just it, this Dallas community, um, this, this is where I'm supposed to be. I, I couldn't be happier to be here because this Dallas animal community is absolutely amazing and are, are showing every single day that they're willing to do what it takes to find good outcomes for these animals. Well, we agree, too. We, we think this is exactly where you need to be. And, and fostering is fun. I mean, if you want to, you're thinking about adopting a kitten, but you're not really ready to commit, fostering a litter of kittens is amazing fun. It's, it's, and it's a really great way to teach kids how to take care of animals and be responsible for animal care, too. We're going to go to a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk more about Dallas Animal Services and the cats and dogs, maybe a little bit, too, that are there, and uh, it'll be back with us in just a minute. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Cat Talk Radio with Molly DeVos. To reach the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you may send an email to molly at cattalkradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. 
Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We've been talking to Ed Jamison, the executive director of Dallas Animal Services, the fourth largest intake shelter in the nation. And we've been talking about how fun it is to come down and volunteer and to foster puppies or kittens or adult cats that maybe are are overcoming an upper respiratory infection or just need a little time in a, in a home environment to decompress. And since we're talking about behaviors One of the biggest things that we see are owners bringing pets down to the shelter that have behavior problems and they need to get rid of the cat or the dog. You know, the the woman that says the cat is peeing on my husband's clothes and my husband says I've got to get rid of the cat. What what kind of resources does Dallas Animal Services offer, Ed, for for people coming in with, with pets that they're trying to surrender to us? Yeah, that, that's another area that we are trying to bolster and bolster. Um, and luckily, a lot of the, the resources we have available right now are provided by um, groups, nonprofit groups. They're not paid. Um, you know, and the Dallas Pets Alive offers a, a pass program, which is an intake diversion program um, when people are trying to come in the door to, to surrender. Is there anything that can be done? And I know you don't like to talk about it, but I certainly will. Um, having the your knowledge of cats and cat behavior is something that we are now able to offer people um, that you are always more than happy and willing because you've studied so much and become such an expert in the field on cat behavior um, that if people really do love the cat, there is just a behavior that needs um, something to, to, to be worked on to be able to, and, and they could keep the cat if there was a, a method or a resource to, to work with that behavior. And especially in the cat arena, um, having you as a resource to be able to say, here, can can you call Molly or hey, it's a Saturday or Sunday, Molly's here right now, can you hang on and we'll go get her and she can talk to you. We've already seen great success in that and being able to um, keep that animal in the home, not creating extra stress on an already full shelter and keeping that bond between animal and human together, which is at the end of the day, that, that's what we're, we're all about. Mm-hmm. That's that's great, and it is always my pleasure to to help anybody coming into the shelter. That's anybody anywhere thinking about getting rid of a cat, rehoming a cat because of of a fixable behavior problem. You know, the most commons are mm-hmm. urin, urinating outside the litter box and destruction of property and aggression to other cats and people. Uh, most all of those things can be fixed relatively easily. So. Absolutely. We appreciate everything you are doing there, Ed. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about the cats that are at the shelter. I know a lot of people, like we said, think that it's just the ones that are aggressive and just the ones that are sick or injured. And and that is so not true. We, We get the most adorable kittens and cutest dogs and puppies. Tell us about some of your favorites that you see down there. Um, Yeah, well, then the, you know, the, the, the volume during kitten season is, is something that uh, I know everybody across the country can, can appreciate, but especially in Dallas when it literally just explodes like it does and, the, and there are so, so many and then so much attention goes to dogs in Dallas um, um, that it's, we're really trying to get cats brought up there of, of the, the equal importance. And our, our adoption numbers wouldn't be good if we didn't have good animals. So it's one thing for, I mean, we have a very low return rate. I think it's around 5%, which is an insanely good, especially at the volume that are, that are going out in a relatively low period that, that many of them are, are in our care. Um, I, I, 
I have this job because I like to serve people and I absolutely love animals and like to serve animals. So where else do you get best of, best of both worlds like that? And, but I can honestly say that when we have to make difficult decisions on animals that aren't safe, I, I can do that. That's my responsibility. The fact that that is such a small percentage that falls into that shows to, um, the level of the, the behavior and temperament of the animals that are coming in because I will not, I will never knowingly place an animal that I believe is going to cause harm to the public. So um, it's just one after another. You see I'm walking around. I try not to walk around when you're there because you'll make sure I leave with a litter of kittens with me when I, <laughs> when I see you. But if you can literally go cage by cage by cage, and there's some 700 animals in there, and they're, they're just great animals really just looking for that family that's going to be the one that takes them home um, to be their forever home. You know, the, I remember seeing a, a a bangle. We've seen a, a purebred bangle in there. We see Persians from time to time. Um, we we of course have you know there are far fewer purebred cat breeds. But I walk around the dog section uh, rarely, but occasionally, and see German <laughs> shepherds and all kinds of of what appear to be purebred dog breeds. And it just amazes me that that there are that many quality animals in the shelter yeah and it, it it is sad and even though we are trying to create a very happy place we hope to just be a small point in that animal's life to help it get on to its to its forever point um and, and that's where um we we definitely are in a mode in dallas due to the volume due to the loose dog situation that there is um, of really trying to, to keep people safe but we take it very serious once the next mode kicks over, which now they're in our care. Let's give um, top-notch service to the animal, um, give it the best quality of life while it's in our care, while we're trying to um, find that home. But our, our best bet, and as we were looking back through numbers and some of the big push in our success, like we said, is our return to owner. I think it went from 7% to 33% in the um, uh, comparing first quarters over the last four years. So it's uh, um, having some of the resources awesome. the Dallas community has. Yep, with the spay neuter surge and having resources for people, we have a great relationship with VCA Animal Hospitals for all animals adopted at the shelter. Get a free visit at the vet, and that starts that veterinarian um, patient relationship that many people just yeah. never knew um, even existed. And so, things like that, we just keep trying to put in place. That um, on my whiteboard in my office, one of my goals is to help mm-hmm. make the best pet owners in the country. We want the That's Dallas Fort Worth area to yeah. be able to have the best yeah. metal. I don't have Absolutely. the magic answer to how we're going to do that, um, but I think resources are certainly at the heart of um, that because it's certainly not, yeah. there's not a, a lack of love for animals in Dallas. There's a huge yeah. love for animals, and how can we help fill some of the gaps that are existing right now? Absolutely. Well, we're about out of time, but I want to thank you very, very much for joining us today and, and taking time out of your busy day. I know you've got a lot on your hands there at Dallas Animal Services, and uh, thank you for being with us today, and uh, I will I will see you soon. Absolutely. Molly, Dewey, thank you guys for everything that you guys do. We, we don't know what we do without you, and I hope I don't have to find out anytime soon. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> Thank you, Ed. Thanks, Ed, right. for joining right. us. Okay. All right. Thanks to our show. Um, I think Dewey's mic might have been off. <laughs> Thanks for joining so. us today. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Thanks you. for joining us Be sure us to today. follow us on Twitter at Molly DeVos, at Facebook, Cat Behavior Solutions, website, catbehaviorsolutions.org. Thank you for listening. 
for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program next Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.